Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store. Like now, go. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with Crunch. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. This week we gather together members of the BBC Music Magazine team for First Listen, a monthly slot where members of the magazine editorial team chat about and rate an important new release. With me today in the BBC Music Studio are Jeremy Pound, the Deputy Editor, Rebecca Franks, our Reviews Editor, and Rosie Pentreath, our Online Editor and Staff Writer. Hello. Hello. This month we've been listening to a recording on Toccata Classics of music written for Alfred Hitchcock films by composers such as Franz Waxman, Dmitry Tiomkin, Bernard Herrmann and Arthur Benjamin for films ranging from Psycho and Vertigo to Dial M for Murder and Rear Window. The scores are performed by the Danish National Symphony Orchestra under conductor and arranger John Malcheri. So is this recording genuine Hitchcockian thriller or are we in fact listening to a complete horror? Let's hear the opening bars of Bernard Herrmann's score to North by Northwest. Thank you. 
So that was the opening to Bernard Herrmann's score to North by Northwest. Um, Rosie, Hitchcock was brilliant at choosing the right composers for the right project and really cared about music for his films, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, He's probably, you know, one of maybe the director that you associate with film music. Hitchcock wasn't a composer himself, but he almost acted like one. He knew exactly how music could um, bring his bring his films to even more life. Um, you've got the shower scene in Psycho, um, you've got Rear Window with all the, the sort of the interplay between music that's really in the scene and music that's not there and background music, things like that. He really understood how it could um, bring the action forward. Yes, music wasn't just sort of a mood creator, it really was part of the action, wasn't it? And, mm. and, and Rear Window was really sort of the sounds coming from the neighbourhood flats. Mm. So you've got the pianist downstairs sort of trying to write his music, you've got the ballet dancer, you've got um, the various sounds of the uh, of the street, sort of almost the jazz is the street, much like sort of mm. Bernstein's uh, West Side Story, you know, the jazz is really the sort of the dirty sound of New York City. Completely, and I mean Hitchcock, his storytelling was such so tight and well-crafted, you know, every image image was there for a reason and every everything you saw every kind of um uh, sort of prop for want of a better word and every person you saw on screen was there for a specific reason and I think when you know we had that, that advent really I guess of sound and music and cinema when he was sort of at the beginning of well, started working and he really grabbed on to how music could add to the image you know they say an image is worth a thousand words but he knew how to add the music to make it even more impactful of course no no better uh, example than that wonderful scene in psycho music entirely written for strings but that moment of course when the the, the girl's being you know attacked in the shower Yes, I think if you saw it without without them, I mean, obviously it would still be, be scary, mm. but that is where the, the the tension and the suspense comes is from the music, really, and that's what he's kind of all yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of it's almost become about the music, hasn't it? And it's been it gets quoted still now in films that kind of that motif with the stabbing and things. There's always that great there's always that great paradox though, with film scores in general, isn't there? That that the art of being a great film score writer is to be noticed and yet not be noticed. And so they, the music has to complement what's going on on screen and not take away from it. And yet they also want to have their sort of iconic music which people know outside the screen. It's that very thin dividing line between... Mm. What I, I, do. And I think that's exactly what happens in Psycho. I think the, the drama of the playing is, is, is exceptionally violent but is married entirely to the, to the very, very shocking scene in, in the film itself. And Rear Window, the music simply blends into the background. Um, should, we hear, should we hear the, the scene from Psycho? What's interesting about that is actually it's musically very uh, fascinating as well. Lots of techniques are being used, lots of chords, sort of, sort of cluster, chord clusters, um, 
different ways of bowing, um, the very rhythmic, very dry, driving music still has shape, still has direction. Mm, I, what Jeremy said before we heard Psycho about the music blending in and also standing on its own, I think that that question's important for this this disc as a whole because um, obviously we're listening to it separate from the, from the films um, and it's interesting to kind of ask how well it works as a standalone sort of symphonic programme. I, th- I think sometimes when the music does, um, it is written for particular scenes to, to describe the action, it might work less well. But when you've got someone like Dim- Dimitri Tjomkin, who was clearly writing with much more sort of symphonic hat on, that's when I think the music works very well. And I think his music is very grand, is very uh, uh, sort of, has, has a grandiose element to it that obviously complements the, the action, complements the film, but isn't, intrinsically necessarily part of the action. You can hear Tjomkin's um, sort of sources, though, a lot more clearly than the you other can. composers. The Bissonian. <laughs> yeah, with the Strangers on the Train suite in this, because I'll admit this is a film I haven't actually seen, but I was actually ticking off the sort of composers I recognised along the way. You've actually got a chord sequence there, which is almost identical to one you get in Puccini's Turin Dot. There's, well, Gershwin is obviously there. He's, he's trying to do that. And there's actually, I'm convinced he must know um, Granger's um, Gumsucker's March from the in the Nutshell Street as well because there's the, both the instrumentation and the actual some of the tunes are very, very similar. I thought there was a bit of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony in one of the tunes <laughs> as well. I just couldn't get it out of my head. And, of course, there's bark in there. I mean, you know, he yeah, studied with um, Busoni yeah. and, of course, he's there's got that sort of... There's a wonderful fugue. I, I, I sort of love the element of the composer sort of trying to pull the wall over everyone's eyes by just sort of grabbing all these elements and having a bit of fun. And that's exactly what you get from that score. Shall we hear a bit from Strangers on a Train? Another composer, I think, that takes the elements and, and really injects them as much into his music, I think, as, as Chomkin is, is the Arthur Benjamin music to The Man Who Knew Too Much. as a cantata um, in this recording that reminds, in fact, remind us, reminded all of us, I think, of Vaughan Williams' uh, Symphony Number no. 1. The Sea Symphony, yeah. And also a little bit of Howes' Hymnus Paradisi as well, the sort of the choral writing in that as well. this is a great piece of music this storm clouds cantata um because the film the man who knew too much it was made first in in 1934 and then hitchcock actually remade it in color in 1956 didn't really often do that um and it's about an american 
family on holiday in Morocco who stumble upon this assassination plot. And then it all comes to a sort of climax in this very dramatic scene when we hear this cantata um, in the Royal Albert Hall. And it's, I won't give away the details, but it's the, the way the music interacts with with what's going on in screen is really thrilling, really thrilling. And I think it, I think also it does stand alone as a, a really enjoyable piece of music. It, it definitely does. And I, I think we should talk about the performance of the Danish National Symphony Orchestra as well under John Malcheri. John Malcheri um, has put together a fascinating programme and, and um, is clearly passionate about the music and has arranged much of this music in order to to bring it together to make it much more of a cohesive, coherent uh, piece of music. I mean, presumably yes. a lot of these were fragments of music which he's sewn together. I know, because I thought the booklet notes were excellent. There's a really great um, essay by by John Riley, and then there's a, there's a note from John Malcheri as well. Um, I almost want to know a little bit more about what work did go into the arranging, though. There's not so much detail on that, and that would be quite interesting, I think, to... You know, I haven't gone back and compared it note for note in the, you know, the films and the scores. Mm. I, I don't exactly know what. And Jeremy, what did you think of the performances? I thought they were they were mixed, actually. Um, I thought the cantata was particularly well sung. I really enjoyed that. And I thought the a lot of the sort of more kind of late romantic um, orchestral stuff, whether in the late, late romantic idiom, was worked really well, kind of really lush playing. Where I found myself a little at odds with it was with, for instance, Waxman's Rear Window, where you ha- it's supposed to be quite jazzy and it felt a little bit mannered. It was kind of almost slightly... There wasn't much swing to it. Yeah, I found... Um, I really... I enjoyed the Rebecca Suite... Um, things like that, like you say, the luscious kind of 19th century type Very writing. stylish music, but, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but the Dial M for Murder, if you listen to the opening, there's a they kind of hick. I feel like they hiccup. Um, it's quite fragmented at the beginning. Um, and then they settle into, yeah, a very luscious score. But before that, they seemed unsteady. I thought the playing in Rebecca in particular was absolutely gorgeous. There's, you mm, get that big sort of... string tunes. That kind of Schrecker-type kind of yeah. Debussy. It's a mix, almost like a mix between Schrecker and Debussy. It's glorious chromaticism, and they play it really, really nicely. So it's time for some scores. Um, Rebecca, out of ten. I'd like to give this a seven. Um, I really love the, the films of Alfred Hitchcock and it's great to have some of the best bits of the music here in, in one um, one lovely programme. Uh, I completely agree with Jeremy that some of the performances were, were a bit mixed, but I especially liked uh, the Rebecca Suite, um, not just because of the name, and also the music for, for Vertigo and also the Arthur Benjamin Cantata. I'd never sort of heard it just as a standalone piece apart from the film. So I thought that was a great find. Rosie? I'm going with Seven as well. Um, as, w- as well as Rebecca, I like Hitchcock films. I think it's a lovely, it's kind of a nice um, souvenir of those films. Um, yeah, I think for me, I wouldn't listen to it alone. I think it's a t- slightly disjointed hearing all the different styles. But um, yeah, an interesting, an interesting collection and great performances. Jeremy? I'm also going to give it seven. I come from a completely different perspective from everyone else, is that my knowledge of films is absolutely dire. So I, I was listening to this on a purely musical basis. And actually, I really enjoyed it as a sort of, almost like a recital disc of various different styles. So I say it works really well in some places, not so well in others. Adored the Rebecca Suite, and I really adored the Arthur Benjamin cantata, The Man Who Knew Too Much as well. And I will get to learn some, see some of the films as well. 
Very good, very good. I'm going to give it seven as well. So this is the first time we've all agreed on a score, I think. Um, I loved this recording for the Tiomkin, for the Arthur, Arthur Benjamin, and for the Bernard Herman, both the man who knew too much, the opening track, and for um, the music to North by Northwest. Um, I think, as Jeremy said, it, it, you know, the, the, the standard, both of the music and of playing, was a little bit patchy, which is why I'm giving it seven rather than eight. But I thought it was a really entertaining um, guide to how brilliantly Hitchcock was able to amass all these various composers for his projects and tailor the music to, to the films. Such variety of treatment, I think. Um, so the maths is slightly simpler this time. Sevens all round, which gives us an average of seven. And that brings us to the end of this month's first listen. So do join us next month when we'll be getting together once more to discuss another major new recording. Goodbye. 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 Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.